0: you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We work with people side by side each and every day that live with virtually no hope because they don't see the purpose. They don't understand life. And they're looking to you going, there's something different about you, but they don't really know what it is. We need to be such a bold witness to be able to pray for those people each and every day by name so that you 're given that opportunity when they look at you sideways and they 're asking you, "What is wrong with you?" You could say ha here 's what 's right with me. Jesus Christ impacted my life. my life has never been the same since I met Jesus Today and every day on I work for him we 're trying to challenge the way you think about your faith and your work today we 're talking about taking the ministry of encouragement into your workplace we've got sammy brooks and his incredible wife because any godly man who is a godly man has to have an incredible wife next to him and today he does connie is his wife next to him they've been married 46 years we're talking about encouragement in the workplace and these guys have a ministry called encouragement inc sammy and connie welcome to i work for him thank you thank you I know. I know. Connie's very excited to be here today. Oh yeah, she couldn't. We can't wait to be on the radio. Sammy, you just got done talking at the Christian Chamber of Commerce today, and you spent. Well, I, I love the way you opened it up because I, I wrote it down. Just so I told you, I'd take notes. Mm-hmm. And, and really, what you said, you, you start off with talking about the lost art of customer service. Right. And, and really, we live in Florida where. You know, every time I go back to the Midwest, I'm reminded what good customer service looks like. And, and down here, they struggle a little bit. And I'm not sure why they struggle more in this part, because you go up into the South, and the South, which we don't have here in Tampa, you go into the South, and the customer service is incredible. Always a smile, and of course, they have great accents. <laughs> and down here, people struggle with customer service. But I really think, is at the core of their person, they don't even know what it looks like. But then you start to talk about the lost art of encouragement. And and I want to talk about today is is how that encouragement can really revolutionize a workplace.
1: Well, it can revolutionize a workplace. It can also revolutionize a home, a marriage, uh, parenting, uh, business relationships. It, It can affect every part of our life.
0: So, before we get into talking about how it can impact every part of our life, I really want to talk about how is Jesus Christ making an impact on your life? You just spent 46 years in ministry, paid ministry, in a church kind of ministry, and you've just retired in January after 46 years. 46 years of marriage, 46 years of ministry, which means every one of those days of your marriage was incredible and challenging because ministry is challenging. How is Christ making an impact in your life today? Well, the fact that I resigned uh, wasn't really
1: a sign of any problems or issues in the church. The church was doing great. Uh, they're on solid financial footing. They have great leadership. But if you're going to go, the time to go is when things are strong. <laughs> when things are good, sure. And uh, when I when I left, I wasn't sure then what I was going to do. It wasn't as though I, I left because I had a plan. Uh, I knew it was time for me to go. But it took about four or five months uh, for the Lord to begin Putting into my head um, what I might do, I'm a little bit old to take on a new church. It's it's a shame though because that's not true. It is true Moses didn't get his first job till he was 80. And he didn't live in 2015 either. No, he didn't. <laughs> it, it it is an ironic truth that most churches looking for a pastor are looking for somebody younger, who is in their view dynamic and has the ability to take them down the road for a long time. What they what they fail to see is that they're sacrificing wisdom and experience. And a base of knowledge that they're going to get in an older man. That it's just, it's a real shame. Anyway, I knew that reality, so I, I thought of some possibilities. And um, when I began studying this concept, and I, you know, used the verse in expositional teaching before, but I never really went all out to study it, I was overwhelmed. I found it in the Old Testament, I found it in the New Testament, I uh, found it, as you said, in the life of Christ, um, in, the, in the epistles, it was everywhere. And it just began to develop more and more, so I decided to start a not-for-profit organization called Encouragement Incorporated where I would do consultation uh, with ministers, community service leaders, government people, local county commissioners, and so on, Um, and then educational seminars and workshops, and then public speaking like we did today. And it's just begun to sort of mushroom
0: now. Well, and that's good. Mushroom is good, which means the Lord was behind it. And, and really, if you're 46 years in, in paid church ministry, you, you've learned to listen to the voice of God because you couldn't leave on a high note after that many years if you hadn't been learning to listen to the voice of God. How hard? I mean, most people look at jobs and they think, well, the best job ever would be to work with a bunch of Christians all day long. How cool would that be? Yet I know the pastoral ministry is difficult, I mean, it's not an easy, it's not an easy job day in and day out. There's days where it's just difficult. Well, it's one of the reasons why you don't know this, but I I was applied to get my master's degree at Bethel Seminary in Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, years and years and years ago. And the pastor of our church where I was a volunteer youth minister came up to me and goes, Jim, I just don't think pastoral ministry is for you. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't think you can handle having 400 bosses. (laughs) Now, I was only 22 at the time and he was right. Five years later, six years later, I was applying for another youth pastor position. Our youth pastor had been fired. And 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 that time, God sent the senior pastor and his wife to our house and said exactly the same thing. I said, OK, Lord, I understand. I understand. But that's what I learned. I mean, I learned that you, you don't have one boss. You have the ultimate boss, but you have all these little bosses. And that's that's a tough job. How did you do it?
1: Well, you know, there's a fine line. There's a fine line between uh, kowtowing and doing what anybody says they want you to do um, and lording it over people. There's a real balance that you have to have. So I think you have to have a gracious spirit, uh, appreciate people's input. Uh, but I look to my church leadership when it came to you know crunch time. So-and-so says we should do this. I go to them. We discuss it. We make a decision. That's the end of that. Now, most of the time, people would say, oh, that's what we decided. Okay. There's always that one time though. somebody says, well, if you're not going to do what I said, I'm out of here. If that spirit is in the church, it's a negative thing to start with. And every once in a while, you might lose one. But by and large, I think um, by having a listening ear and um, trying to have a gracious spirit in hearing what they had to say and then making a decision based on what we believe the Scripture was going to lead us to do, it worked pretty well over
0: that time. Being a pastor one of the things that i have seen is that there are days that because uh, i've been a, you know, i've done a lot of volunteer ministry all of my life since i was in my teenage years discouragement seems to be more uh there's a, lot, there's a lot more discouragement towards the person in leadership than encouragement. And so you had to have a strong bride at home in order to lift you up at night. Because that, the, that, that's the only way that it explains to me that you made it 46 years. Is Connie, you must be incredible. Because I don't know how, ever, how I ever did it. So talk to me about the value. And, Connie, I'll let you talk if you want to talk, but I'm not trying not to pressure you. How valuable was it to have Connie by your side during those years?
1: Well, it was crucial. It was absolutely crucial. Um, I told the table at lunch today, we were kind of going to go around the little table asking questions and so on, and which was a great time, um, that Connie's role in our family was primarily one of prayer and study of the Word. The kids could get up in the morning, get ready for breakfast, and if they got up early enough, they'd find her uh, under a dim light uh, with her Bible in her lap, with her head down, praying for them, praying for me, praying for our church. Um, and... I would rather have that uh, next to me, behind me, supporting me, than the most dynamic you know uh, person you can imagine on the planet. Because that's really where the power is. That's that's what gets you through and what makes things happen.
0: So, as when you, the toughest part. What was the toughest part about being a pastor? What was the, what was the toughest part of that job? Well, a lot of people think that
1: going to the hospital or dealing with dying people is the hard part. That really wasn't because there was a great. Um, sense of accomplishment when you could meet with somebody and hold their hand and pray with them and see see them relax and be at ease and at peace uh, in Christ so that wasn't so hard I think the harder part were the things that I didn't find directly related to ministry people would say to me sometimes oh so you, you're a preacher what do you do during the week
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you want to smack him yeah. and you're like oh no 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 Jesus
1: wouldn't have smacked them. and I said well don't don't take this the wrong way but this is a business and we have to deal with vendors, and the government, and insurance people, and carpet people, and air conditioning people, and uh, you know, it's like any other business. You know, there are staffing concerns, there's financial issues, uh, and there are supplies that are needed. So all of that
0: goes on. And um, how much you, of that did you learn in seminary? Uh, absolutely zero. Yeah. Now yep. you know that that's changing. Seminaries are actually starting to teach pastors business skills. But you missed it. I mean, they, they didn't give any of that in Sounder. I just
1: hope that doesn't shift too far to make skilled businessmen out of pastors and not really good pastors. Um,
0: yeah, that came along from experience. Well, and, and really, the job of a pastor, discipler, you know, teaching evangelism and discipleship that a typical pastor is doing, usually you need somebody to come alongside you that has those other skills that can focus on the administration, the organization, the management, and the finance. Did you have that that ability at your churches where you had somebody else that helped you with those things so you could focus on the pastor or did you have to do both?
1: I have done both. I've had help. Uh, sometimes it's hired help. Sometimes it's people on uh, in leadership in the church that are, that are gifted. Uh, they can do some of those things. So it was a variety of situations. Uh, sometimes it was loaded more on me and other times not so much. So what
0: was that most encouraging part of being a pastor?
1: I think the... Just truly now, you hit me with this question off the cuff here, but...
0: No, I didn't. That's right there written down. What was the most encouraging? I gave it to you yeah, ahead of time. I'm supposed to
1: remember that? <laughs> anyway, uh, just well, as soon as you said it, something popped into my head, and it's this. When you're teaching or preaching, and someone is listening intently, and you see the look in their eye that says, I get it, that's the most exciting thing. When you know that you've communicated the truth of the Word, and somebody hears it, understands it, accepts it. And you know they're going to make an effort to live it. That's, that's the most rewarding thing of all. Whether it's the gospel or a
0: biblical principle or whatever it might be. Did they ever come and tell you that they connected with it? Or did it take 20 years for them to come back and go, wow, Pastor Sammy, this, I just want to let you know, you preached a sermon back in 1985 and it made a huge impact on my life. Do people ever tell you right away or do you just hear about it later on the street?
1: Well, most of what you hear right away is pretty superficial when you're going out the door. Uh, I just want to tell you what a lovely sermon that was today, brother. Uh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it doesn't mean much. It's just something to say at the door. That was uh, pretty good, though. I like that. Yeah, I got a lot of them. Anyway, I, I don't take a lot. I, I appreciate it. I really do appreciate that. But it doesn't communicate much of what really happened inside their head and heart that day. Um, and I have actually had people tell me 20 years later, you'll never know what an impact you had. And I go, really? I, I would have known unless you had said something. Um So it happens in different ways. I think probably the most significant observation I can make is not from a card or a phone call or a letter, but a changed life. And what's Mm. really interesting is I've had people say, you know, I was just thinking the other day that uh, uh, perhaps uh, the Lord didn't want me to use uh, hard liquor anymore. And I said, well, what makes you say that? I don't know. I was I was praying and I I heard something on the radio and started thinking about it. And I thought, you know, we talked about that six months ago at church and he make any reference at all to my message about that topic in church six months ago. And at first I was a little bit jealous. So wait a minute. You're giving credit to this, this and this. And I thought, that's what this is all about. It doesn't matter whether he connects it to me or not. If he connects the dots. And finds out what God wants in his life, then that's great, and I should rejoice in that.
0: That's the Holy Spirit connecting the dots and right. crossing the T's. I mean, I, I mean, it's, and the Holy Spirit uses lots of ways, and, and I l- that's that, learning to listen thing. So yeah. you're making an impact. That that's a huge thing. Was it hard to step away? Was it hard to, to to retire, quote unquote?
1: I'll tell you what was hard. It wasn't so much hard to step away because I knew that's what God wanted me to do. It was much harder having stepped away to know what to do every day. Because after four decades of waking up on Monday morning saying, you know, I better look at the text for Sunday so I can start picking out music, or Tuesday saying, oh, I got to work on the bulletin today. And then I would say, oh, no, I don't. That was just weird. You know, not doing that after having done it for so long was just very strange. Um, That was probably the most difficult thing. It wasn't difficult to leave because I knew it was time.
0: so, Connie, can I ask you a question? Sure. Have you guys started dating again now that you don't have the distractions of church pulling you
2: 24-7? Um, I wouldn't call it dating. Um, we do go out quite a bit, but he's so involved in the chamber and, and community things that, you know, at home that um, I just wave goodbye and, where are you going today, and then I'll see him when he comes back. <laughs> so really things haven't changed a whole lot as far as him being busy.
0: No, we do have a marriage retreat cruise coming up here in February. Perhaps that'd be a good time to get away. It'd be good for you. Just cell phones don't work, internet's down. It'd be good. Maybe'd it be a good way for you good place for you to go. Good encouragement for you.
1: Thanks.
0: all right so but you decided to pursue ministry. You retired from church ministry to pursue the ministry of encouragement. instead of playing golf and instead of you know going fishing or whatever. why why? Well, I have too much energy
1: not to do something. And when God called me to to be involved in ministry in the first place, because I got saved at a summer camp, and I had to memorize verses all week because it was part of the competition between groups at the camp. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the verses that I learned in addition to, uh, you know, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ was, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Uh, And I took that personally. And that's what I felt called me to ministry.
0: Today we're talking with Sammy Brooks. He's the CEO of Encouragement Incorporated. You can find him online at encouragementinc.org. And we're talking about, we just spent the last few minutes talking about his 46 years of ministry in the church and what that looked like. And then stepping away from that, we're going to get into his, uh, what the ministry, the new ministry is all about. Sammy, right before the break, though, you mentioned that you had a Bible verse that you were going to read. So go ahead and read that verse. know, When I left
1: the church ministry, people were concerned about what I was going to be doing now. And uh, I I thought it would be helpful for them if they believed or understood that I believed that this was a call from God. And I found this really fascinating verse in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says Tychicus, a name most people are not familiar with, but he's a great guy. Listen to this. Tychicus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant of the Lord. You don't get higher credentials than that from Mm -hmm. the Apostle Paul. He says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. So there is Paul commissioning someone specifically to do the work of encouragement, and I took that to heart.
0: And it is so important because we... we A lot of kids grew up in families today, and these kids are now 40 and 50 years old. They grew up in families where encouragement wasn't part of their daily lives. Encouragement is really just driving down the road here today to the station. People don't drive in a very encouraging manner. Every day I drive up and down one of one of the craziest roads in Pinellas County. They don't. Everywhere around us, it seems like the act of discouragement is trying to grab us, Mm. and so we have to be very proactive with encouragement. And as Christ followers, we should be the most encouraging people around because we have everything to live for. Sure. So we come back. I want when we come back to the discussion, I want to talk about. You said that people can live without food for forty days, they live without water for a few days, but they can't live without hope. Right. I want to. I want to talk about that. But it's time now for our book highlight segment. Of course, brought to you by by Christian Books and Gifts. The book is Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. Say Sanders, Not Barry Sanders. Brother, it's Oswald Sanders. He wasn't a football player. The need for talented, vigorous leaders in the church cannot be overemphasized. Such times demand active service of men and women who are guided by and devoted to Jesus Christ. Spiritual leadership stands as a proven classic for for developing such leadership. In these pages, Oswald Sanders presents the key principles of leadership in both the temporal and spiritual realms, illustrating his points with examples from scripture and biographies of eminent men men of God, Moses, Nehemiah, Paul, David Livingstone, Charles Spurgeon, and others. He writes that even natural leadership qualities are God-given and their true effectiveness can only be reached when they are used to the glory of God. Get a copy of this book. If it's not for you, if you're not a leader, get it for the favorite leader in your life. Sammy, This, how did God lay this ministry of encouragement onto your heart?
1: Well, it was kind of a gradual thing. I didn't, uh, I didn't have an epiphany. Uh, I didn't get something in the mail. People are going, is that a disease? What, I mean, Epiphany, what, what is what is that? A sudden flash of insight, okay. you know? um, No, I just began studying the Word. I had found it in other passages I had done and uh, was curious about it one day and just decided to do it exhaustively and got the Old Concordance out and found every form of the Word in the Old and New Testament. And I was just really stunned at how comprehensive it was um, and how much it affected our daily lives and how much a part of... Uh, who we are in in Christ, uh, is impacted by it. And the more I studied it, the more excited I got about it, the more I wanted to share it. Um, And I said the best way to do this is just to start an organization that has this at its core.
0: You know, you said today, as you were speaking to the Christian Chamber of Commerce, Tampa Bay, found online at C3TV.org, you said that people can live 40 days without food, they can live a few days without water, but they can't live without hope. How does encouragement and hope, how are those two related?
1: Well, they're related um, both by what the Scripture says, that through the Scriptures we might have hope. The encouragement of the Scripture gives us hope. But in a very practical way, if you think about people who have taken their lives, the people who have taken their lives, if they've communicated before they've done that, they have said that they were hopeless that there was no place for them to go. There was nothing left. There was no way they could fix their problem. They couldn't get out of their addictions. They couldn't save their marriage. They couldn't resolve their financial issues or all of the above. And when, when hope is gone, there's nothing left or any reason to live. And if the scripture is a means by which we can replace the hope that's been taken away from us, that's a powerful tool. And so that's what encouragement does. We use the gift of encouragement to put courage into people, to give them what they need to do whatever task is ahead of them.
0: Instead of discouraging them, sucking the courage out of them, you're talking about encouraging, putting the courage into them.
1: Yes, exactly right.
0: All right, so let's talk about that, how that applies to the workplace, because you, you've just gone from a workplace of 46 years in the paid church ministry workplace. Mm-hmm. You're going out to meet with business leaders and other you know, nonprofit organization leaders and talking to them about encouragement and what it looks like in the workplace. What, do you, what are you telling them? How are you feeding them with that?
1: Well, I I think, uh, as we did today, we talk about the um, difference between being in an environment or a culture that is negative, uh, where there's a critical spirit, where you never get any applause for the good things you've done, versus a culture where someone is acknowledging the good work that you're doing. And sometimes you have to look pretty hard to find the good job, but when you do, it needs to be acknowledged. And when people hear that, uh, it means a lot to them. It makes their day. Uh, And I think that's one of the most important things somebody can do in business leadership is to find a way to invest themselves in their staff and in their employees so that the employees believe that they're actually cared about by the person that they're working for.
0: You know, I think one of the things that the biggest thing that entrepreneurs struggle with as they start a new business is that they work alone. Mm. And the only way they get encouragement is from making a sale and making a customer happy. And it can be very, very difficult. I've started many businesses from scratch. And it is, it is difficult, because I'm a words of affirmation guy. I, need, I, just need, I don't need them all the time, but I need them every once in a while to know that I'm not you know, being stupid or an idiot or, or what. But I, somebody tell me something positive today because I, you know, I can't stand it. And, and it's, it's so powerful. But what is also amazing is that when you look at all the leadership books out there, they don't talk about encouragement very often. Mm. They they sometimes talk about it. you know the one minute manager brought out nineteen whatever nineteen ninety five six whatever the year they came out. You know the 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 sandwich. Mm. You know, uh, say something nice to them, then give criticism, and say something nice to him again. So it actually sandwiched criticism and, and encouragement. But it is so powerful because we live in a society today where the the art of encouragement has been lost. Mm. How did you come across that realization, and how does that apply to the workplace?
1: Well, I knew it for for two reasons. One, because it was not part of my life. Uh, I grew up, I don't know how I got this as a young man, uh, but my idea was um, if you do something right, Well, there's no prize for that. That's just what you're supposed to do. If you do something wrong, then you get a lecture or you get disciplined or whatever the case may be. And I found out that from the scriptures, that's just the opposite, because there's always a reward given for those who do the right thing. There's a commendation for faithfulness. Uh, There is um, a pat on the back, if you will, from Christ uh, for a job well done. And that pattern there was so different than the pattern in my own life that I realized that I needed to conform to that. Uh, and change the way I was doing business. So that was a real eye-opener for me.
0: Yeah, and, and I know that that's cultural, because I know that uh, a lot of our parents didn't grow up in environments where they were encouraged for doing the right thing. They were It was just expected of them, and if they did the wrong thing, then they got it beaten out of them. And, and so I know that our parents had to really be very proactive in encouraging us. Some succeeded, some didn't. But this next generation we, you know, as we're leading our kids, they actually, I think, tell them way too many nice things and don't tell them enough of the things that they're doing wrong. Right. We, we need. To, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. We're not going to that cultural thing. Jim's right. to back off the soapbox. But you don't call you. I, I've introduced you twice as CEO, and I've given you that opportunity, but you haven't jumped on it. You introduced yourself today at the chamber that you're not a CEO-like chief executive officer. You're the chief encouragement officer.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, when you tell people that, what do they, how do they react to you? Because well, business people, they're not thinking that their number one goal is to encourage.
1: Well, I think for most people, when they hear the word CEO or the letter CEO, they think of executive for the E. And I have a friend who just as a joke said to me, you know what? You should be the chief encouragement officer. I said, you know, I like that. Cause that's really what I'm doing. And it takes away some of the, I don't mind if anybody uses the word CEO, uh, but some people do it uh, with a little pride, maybe a little arrogance. You know, I'm the CEO. Of course, we only have one employee who makes $3 so far. But still, CEO sounds very impressive. But I think there's a certain identity uh, that can be mine by saying chief encouragement officer. Not that I'm the chief among all the encouragers, but chiefly what I do is to encourage.
0: So talk to me. uh, uh, and I really love that. How, How in your marriage have you guys learned to be good at encouraging each other? Well... That's an interesting question in itself. Um, well, you started a, a ministry called EncouragementInc.org. Y- yeah. y- you've, it's something you got to practice all the time, so how do you guys practice it at home? Connie, do you want to help him out here? He, he looked at you first.
2: <laughs> well,
1: Do you remember that conversation we had out in the basketball court a few months ago, where I told you some of th- my observations about you, and you were kind of surprised to hear it? Yes. Um, Connie was going through some some thoughts in her head, some questions and so on, and things about the future. And I just took a few minutes to say, I don't know if you realize this, and I started listing some things about her, personal attributes and qualities that she had.
0: Well, go ahead and say them on air so you can listen to rec- she can listen to recording later.
1: <laughs> well, I, d- I just reminded her of her role in the church and how faithful she was uh, in doing whatever needed to be done. I mean, if it was a nursery issue, a hospitality committee issue, uh, a big thing coming up that had to be promoted and had to have a bulletin board with a pretty, you know, image on it of some kind, um, she was always there and always willing to do whatever needed to be done. And then I reminded her about her role in our family. Uh, Sometimes when you have kids that don't turn out too well, and we had one in particular that had a real rough spot, uh, thank the Lord, things are much better now. We're very grateful for that. As a parent, when that happens, you begin to doubt your, your competence as a parent. Um, and so I was able to take some time and share with her um, the amazing way uh, that she stood with her daughter. Uh, a lot of parents would have bailed out and uh, became for her um, such a source of strength and comfort uh, that it was really one of the key factors that allowed her to make the move from her dark days to her brighter days. Um, and I think it was kind of neat, too, that uh, Connie was doing these things without even knowing she was doing them. It was really just following the flow of the Spirit of God in her life and enabling uh, herself to be led in such a way that she could serve in a dramatic fashion, but so humbly that she didn't even know she was doing it.
0: So uh, encouragement just came natural to you, Connie?
2: I think so. I, I, um, I like to get to know the person, and... and I in some ways um, a look on someone's face can tell you that there's something going on inside and my first reaction is to, to pray um, but people need to be loved they need to know that they're loved and that's a gift I think that God get, doesn't give everybody that freedom to reach out and love but
0: Loving the the unlovable is not always very easy. (laughs) That is for sure. So talk to me about how you are encouraging business leaders, business people in your ministry out there. Connie mentioned you're involved in chamber meetings, things like that. Talk to to me about how you're using this, teaching them how to use encouragement to help their businesses be more successful.
1: Well, doing the teaching component is something that I'm developing right now and uh, would like to have more opportunities. And that will come as time goes on. The bigger part of what I'm doing is more one-on-one. Uh, is meeting with people, and uh, I found out that you, if you say to somebody, how are you doing? The typical answer is, oh, I'm doing great. I look them square in the eyes, and I say, really, how are you doing? And then it just comes out.
0: If they say fine, yes. if they say I'm fine, mm-hmm. you know how you're supposed to respond. What's that? And I learned that yesterday that it was from... What movie was that yesterday? You didn't listen yesterday. Um, it was from... Oh, no, I forgot. Oh, no, I'm going to forget it. Okay, but it's from a movie that was fairly recent, but freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. There we go. So I resp- it. responded, so you freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional? Mm-hmm. That's what fine means, you know? There you go. And they're like, really? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that, because that has been an approach I've used for 25 years.
1: Yeah, and, People- then, and then I'll say, well, what, how can I pray for you? Um, or what's a concern in your life? I met with a county commissioner about uh, two months ago, and I said, what are you dealing with as a commissioner that you find the most challenged to you? And that was not a threatening question. And he shared it with me. I said, can I pray for you about that? And he kind of looked at me sort of uh, here. Uh, Yeah, right here, Panera. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Took his hand in my hand and prayed with him. And he walked away almost stunned with what just happened. But he was appreciative. And it made a big difference in his day. He said, he was like, wow, somebody just took my need and talked to God about it. Uh, now, with people that are really involved in Christian things in the church, that's not a big deal for them. It happens all the time. For somebody kind of on the outside looking in, it's it's almost a bizarre experience, but it's one that they walk away feeling really good about.
0: And they often thank you for praying for them. True. Yeah. It is. I will tell you, you say that you know it wouldn't be an unusual circumstance for the average church goer, but I will tell you that is an unusual hmm. circumstance. Certainly praying with people at Panera is an unusual circumstance. But praying with people when they say, hey, here's an issue, they'll say, hey, I'll pray for you. Hmm. But praying with them right then and there, yeah, yeah, that it's a it's a huge ministry. But it is something we just need to encourage people to do sure. because it needs to be done more. Yeah. Because it, every time I have been networking across Tampa Bay for over ten years, and I will tell you, I have been able to pray with hundreds and hundreds of business people. Hmm. They all have something they need prayed about. Sure. So it's it's cool. So as you had how many employees did you have what, in any of your church jobs? What was the most employees you ever had?
1: Oh, well, it was never very many. Um, let me see. <laughs> God, got, is going, yeah, me, yeah, but yeah, I never got it. paid. She did it. Um, let me see. We had, had an associate pastor at one time, and we had somebody taking care of the office, um, maybe some other part-time people, not too many. Three did you get to put into practice what you're preaching now? Um, sure, I, I did, but I'll tell you what, Jim. The thing that I'm doing now is something that God has led me to um, and is relatively new in my Christian experience. Um, this is what's so exciting about it, because I'm seeing something that having has the potential to affect people so dramatically um, and letting me carry this message and touch people's lives has really been meaningful.
0: It, will, it does have the potential to impact the state of Florida. Hmm. And that's what's really important is we recognize that really being an encourager is what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus never excused people's sin, but he encouraged me said, just leave your life of sin. Come follow me. I mean he encouraged him right there. Most of the people that Jesus talked to were outcasts. Mm-hmm. He was really good at reaching out to the outcast and drawing them in. Zacchaeus, he had to drag him out of a tree. You know, Matthew was a tax collector. I mean, drug people out and he just loved them right where they're at. That was a huge encouragement to him. So today we're talking with Sammy Brooks. He's the chief encouragement officer of Encouragement Inc. Find him online at encouragementinc.org. And he's working with business leaders. All around Florida for now. Are you going around the country yet, Sammy? Wherever the Lord leads. Wherever the Lord leads, and somebody will pay for it. Just (laughs) teaching people the value of encouragement in their workplace. And so that's what we've been talking about. And if you've missed the whole show up to this point in time, I just encourage you to listen to the archive. Find it online at iworkforhim.com. Sammy, you talked about the power during your speech today at the Christian Chamber of Commerce, found online at c3tb.org. You talked about the power of encouragement in the workplace. Why is this important?
1: Well, I think, if as an illustration I gave earlier about uh, my daughter coming to me with her artwork and uh, me giving her some critical analysis of it versus my sister who just went, uh, you know, oh, this is so beautiful. And I asked the question, who would you rather go to? The person who's going to give you nothing but a critique or the person who's going to be positive and affirming? And I think in the workplace, when you have an environment, or as we've used the word culture, um, that is all business and all critical, And no matter how hard you work, if you make a mistake, that's going to be the focus of the day. Uh, It's just hard to be there. It's hard to be in that environment. And the business leader gets more out of his people when he recognizes that they need to be affirmed. They need the encouragement. And when they get it, he gets more.
0: And what's hard is business leaders often think they need to be working in the business all day long and they miss their opportunity. The one thing of every business leader should be doing is investing in his or her people. Mm. And that, investing in encouragement of those people, you will get a 10-time return on investment in those people. If you will invest in your people, stop worrying about what you're supposed to do, get somebody else to do that, and what you're supposed to do as a leader of the organization, whatever that may be, is invest in your people. Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't make stock market investments, he didn't have the books, he didn't have a marketing plan that was written out, although he have one in his mind, he had 12 guys, he, he delegated the duties, and he invested in those people. 11 of those guys, and then Paul, who met him on the road to Damascus, those 12 guys changed the world. It did indeed. And he did it by encouraging and lifting them up each and every day. Let's talk about EncouragementInc.org. What do you do? What, what can pe- If people go out there on a the website, what are they going to find out about Sammy Brooks, and how, how can they engage him in their businesses and in, the, in their organizations going forward?
1: Well, there's a way to contact us on the website. Basically, what the website does is, is develop um, an understanding of what our ministry is all about. We are involved in one-on-one consultation, no-cost consultation. This is a not-for-profit organization. And Somebody said, well, where do you get the money? Well, the old adage, the Lord provides. We're still looking for Him to provide. Um, and then we want to work with churches in doing some seminar-type things where we would take, for example, a Sunday school class and do an interactive time together. With with handouts and make it as you know engaging as we can. And then if I'm if I'm there for that, then I stay for the church service and do a sermon that kind of backs up what we've done. Uh, doesn't have to be four hours. Doesn't have to be a week long. Uh, I can make it that long if you want it to be, but it can be fairly concise on a on a one day thing in a church. Um, and then public speaking that can be anywhere Rotary, uh, Civitan, Kiwanis. Um, today at the Christian Chamber of Commerce and other other places, and I'm hoping down the road to get opportunities to speak at universities, um, corporate events, and so on.
0: Do you ever get tired of talking about encouragement? So far, I have not.
1: (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think I would ever get tired of it.
0: Talk to me about, just give me one last example as we close out the show uh, of probably one of the most incredible things you've seen encouragement do in somebody's life.
1: Well, I think the, the primary function of encouragement as it's outlined to us in the scriptures uh, is to give us hope when you face the reality of the challenges of the Christian life it's daunting I mean, we're told be ye therefore perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect how do we do that and the scriptures also tell us you can't do that on your own it's not by your strength it's not by your might but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts at every point along the way when we're trying to live the Christian life the encouragement that we get from the Scriptures and from the Lord is, you can do this through me. I will enable you to do this. And when, when you recognize or when you see somebody else recognize that it's possible for them to do whatever they have to do and have the courage that comes from God to do that, that is just so rewarding. And that's where we have to end
0: today. We've come to the end of another I Work For Him show, and I want you to go out to IWorkForHim.com. That's IWork, the number for him.com, and click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and join the I Work For Him Nation. I'm looking for people to make a commitment to their Lord to say, I'm going to start praying for my coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Start looking for ways to serve those people I work with each and every day. Look for ways to reach out to them, befriend them each and every day. Look for ways to pray with them when you see that their countenance is down, when you see that something is bothering them look for ways to be the best and brightest example of excellence in your workplace each and every day join the i work for him nation tonight click on iworkforhim.com and then the flag and while you're on the website look for huge announcements click the banner up at the top big announcements big changes for i work for him coming up on july the 20th just click on that and you can find all kinds of information on what's going on also on our facebook page just look for i work for him you're listening to the i work for him show with your host jim brangenberg I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.